Welcome to the Stop Down Photography Podcast, episode 97. I'm Scott Davenport. In this podcast, does including a human element improve your landscape photos? Hi, welcome. Thanks for joining me. I'm glad to be back with you for another chat about photography, this shared passion of ours. And in today's episode, let's take one more step on our never-ending journey of photography. Landscape photos quite often present nature in its unspoiled form, a dramatic location, wonderful light, and a scene devoid of any human presence. It's the pristine landscape, and I love those photos. I capture those photos. Yet, does a human element make a landscape photo bad? Or does including a human element improve the photo? That is the topic for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend on social media with your camera club. And if you can, please leave a rating and especially a review for the podcast. Ratings and reviews keep the podcast on the charts and help other photographers find out about the show. If you're on iPhone or Mac OS, you can rate directly in the Apple Podcasts app. You can also leave a rating via the web at podchaser.com. Links in the show notes. When I first started with landscape photography, I focused my attention on the pristine landscape, the pure splendor of nature, scenes untouched by human hands. No human presence or indication of human activity. No people, no houses or structures, you know, no vehicles, cars, boats, trains, no footprints, no power lines, no roadways, just nature. Sometimes it was rugged, wild landscapes like jagged mountains or towering cliffs, hopefully with an ominous, dramatic sky, or rocky coastline being pounded by unrelenting waves, landscapes that are almost otherworldly, strange geological features, places like Death Valley or the other areas of the American Southwest. Other times it was the idyllic landscape, the beautiful beach, calm swirling water, no footprints or disturbances in the sand, or a crystal clear lake surrounded by trees, gentle rolling hills, dunes in the desert, pastoral scenes. Now, these are the types of images that brush up against the boundary between reality and fantasy. And of course, these kinds of landscapes are not easy to come by. Unless you live nearby a protected wilderness or an isolated beach or lake, or in a place like Iceland, you have to seek these kinds of landscapes out. It's non-trivial effort to reach a place that has no trace of humanity. Usually travel, and once on location, probably a decent amount of hiking to reach an area with few to no other visitors. Now, unless you're really off the beaten path, you'll likely find other people at your location, hikers, nature lovers, other photographers. And seeking out the pristine landscape adds the challenge of working around other people. If you are photographing in a place that is beautiful, yet does have other visitors, you're choosing a framing that puts people outside the frame, or you're waiting for a hiker to move through your scene, only firing the shutter once they've exited the border of your viewfinder. Maybe you're taking several photos as people move through the scenes in different areas so you can blend them together later to make people, air quotes, disappear. 
I recall doing that at the uh, Onanta Falls in the Columbia River Gorge. A few well-timed frames, and I could make an otherwise popular and sometimes bustling place appear empty and pristine. Other times, I'm seeking out that pristine landscape, but the human element is unavoidable. Either there's too many people to keep them out of the frame when I'm capturing the photo, or there's a, a distant structure or a power pole, you know, something in the middle to the far distance. So I'd spend time in post-processing to retouch those things away. <laughs> Occasionally there'd be the ever-frustrating photobomb, you know, the person that stepped into the frame and quote-unquote ruined my image, more retouching. A side benefit, I did get quite good at retouching landscapes and removing distracting elements. But now, many years into landscape photography, I ask myself, what about those human elements? Were they all bad? Did I need to avoid them? Would the presence of humanity in the frame make my photo worse? Spoiler alert, no, not necessarily. Now, somewhere along the way in my journey of photography, maybe three or four years into landscapes, my relationship with the human element changed. Now, there are some classic landscapes that inherently incorporate a human element. You ever photograph a lighthouse? You know, my hand's up. That's a human element. And uh, given the purpose of a lighthouse that's usually perched in some dramatic landscape, that structure tells a great story. You know, it's a vigilant keeper protecting ships from a dangerous coast. And there's a reason that's a classic photo. Uh, what about the long stretch of paved road that fades at the horizon? The road is a human element. It was built by people. It, it adds to the photo. It tells a stronger story. Including a person in the landscape can work too. A person well-placed in the frame can deliver a sense of scale, a sense of depth, the vastness of a location. And after all, a photo is a two-dimensional thing. It has no depth, no scale really on its own. We use composition, leading lines, subject juxtaposition, all of that to present the illusion of depth, the illusion of scale. And a human element can help achieve that. And you're detecting a theme here, right? Including a human element in the frame can strengthen the story of your photo, make the photo stronger. Your viewer can have an easier time imagining themselves being at that location because the human element, it, it kind of provides a visual anchor in the frame. So when you're next out in the landscape, consider incorporating a human element into your scene. I think that adding a human element sparingly in the landscape works quite well. You know, a winding road or path, it gives us a line to follow. It gives the viewer the notion of, I want to walk down that path and find out what's in that landscape. It could be footprints on a beach too, that same idea drawing the viewer into your scene. Or a single structure, like a cabin in the hills, a boat on the river, a dock stretching into a lake, a single person looking out over the landscape, or somewhere in the middle to far distance of the landscape providing depth and scale. These things all work and make your photos stronger. 
And yes, I think the epic selfie is fair game, in my book at least. I take my fair share of those photos. Because when I do find a place where I'm the only person around, uh, I might be the only human element around. So I'll set up the tripod, turn on the timer, step into the frame, become my own model. And, you know, and those make nice memories for us personally as well. So when used properly, I think a human element can really strengthen your photo. And that's the key point. If incorporating a human element into your photo makes your photo better, makes it more powerful than the pristine landscape and tells a stronger story, you should definitely include it. There was a recent article over on F-Stoppers written by Nando Harmson. Uh, same topic, really, the, the question around the human element. And it, it's a nice, good read, uh, short, about five minutes. I'll put a link in the show notes. And uh, he had similar points to what I just discussed here. But one interesting one that he did highlight was how a human element can keep your viewer's eye in the frame longer. I hadn't consciously thought about that before, and I do find that to be true, that uh, my eye would keep gravitating back to that human element. So that's another reason for having you know, some sort of human presence or uh, you know, representation of people in your frame. A longer view time on your photo in today's, uh, you know, scrolling with our thumb and you know, endless sources of, of imagery, getting a few extra seconds of someone's eyes on your photo, that's a big deal. A bit of studio news for you. Since the last podcast episode, I've been spending some time going through my archives, looking at older photos that for one reason or another I hadn't worked on. And I have a reasonably rigorous workflow, so all of my photos in my library at least get a ranking so I know which photos I like and I'd want to work on and you know, which ones are, are, are lesser and I, I may never get to. <laughs> There's always those photos we never get to. But uh, you know, I had the set of smart collections in Lightroom that helped me track my photos through my workflow. So it's easy to go back into images from the past that I just haven't worked on yet, but I did like when I captured them. And I'm finding some real hidden gems. I actually talked about this idea, uh, you know, kind of uh, mining your library for hidden gems way back in episode 35 of this podcast. I'll put a link in the show notes to that. Anyway, I happened across several photos that I really liked, but they were just a little soft. Either my focus was off or more frequently, the photos were captured handheld and had a bit of camera shake. I do not have the steadiest hands when it comes to handheld photography, even with in-body stabilization or the stabilization offered by lenses. When that shutter speed goes above 1 60th of a second or so, I run the risk of camera shake. Uh, I, it's good that I know it because I can work around it. But um, you know, there's this one photo in particular that I found. I, I vividly remember taking this image. It's it's an ornate ceiling. It's in the Real Alcazar in Seville. I was there on a family vacation, uh, and I just had my camera was handheld. This was a vacation. This was not like you know a, a assignment or a photo shoot proper. But I saw this ceiling and. Loved the symmetry of it. I 
took as much time as I could, positioned myself directly underneath the center point on the ceiling so I could maximize the symmetry. Now I'm indoors, it's low light, I bumped my ISO up pretty high, fired off a few frames, you know, rapid fire, pop, pop, pop. You know, you know that rapid burst handheld so that you know, the hope is one of those in the sequence has got good focus. Well, <laughs> none were in crisp focus. They were close, but they weren't sharp. And looking at the metadata, you know, this is seven years later after taking this photo, the aperture was f8. Now, my ISO was 6400, but that aperture, you know, I should have opened it up more. I'm photographing a ceiling. I don't need f8. You know, f4 would have been fine, but I didn't do that. I didn't do that in the field. Well, what could I do? And I've been turning to Topaz Sharpen AI to restore the crispness in these images. And I used this on this Real Alcazar photo, and man, did it work great. I mean, just great. I was really blown away by Sharpen AI. And I've had Sharpen AI in my toolkit for the better part of a year. I don't use it all the time. It's a specialized tool in my workflow. But when I need to fix a focus problem or squeeze out extra detail, it is excellent. I point it out because this is uh, an example of where photos we've captured years ago, sometimes the technology catches up and lets us go do things with them that we couldn't do when we captured them. I'll put a link in the show notes to Topaz Sharpen AI, and I do have an offer code as well, SDP15. That'll save you 15%. You know, SDP, like Stop Down Podcast, 15. So if you're looking for a tool like this, you have some photos you want to get some extra sharpness out of, check out Sharpen AI. It is, is really impressive what it can do. That wraps up this episode. Thanks as always to everyone that supports the show, listening, your comments, your reviews, shares. There are many different ways you can support the Stop Down Photography Podcast. Most of them are zero cost to you. I have a link in the show notes where you can learn more or if you're on the web at stopdownpodcast.com, hit the support the show button. You can learn all about them. And again, one of the best ones is leave a rating and a review. That really does help keep the podcast on the charts and on other photographers' radars. And with that, I hope you get back out into the landscape. Think about adding a human element into your next photo. It may be the key to telling a stronger story with your photos. And that's what we want. We want photos that have impact, tell a story, that grab our viewers' attention. And until next time... My name is Scott Davenport. Have fun.